0: It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstock 95.3, Michiana's news channel with financial advisors, Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Now, here's your host, Casey Hendrickson.
1: Wise Money deserves wise legal counsel. Powered by Ledoux, Curran, and Keene. On the web at lck-law.com. Good morning, everybody. I want to thank you for tuning in to News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, Mike Bernard, and I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Near the end of the show today, we're actually going to get to listener questions. And as always, you can submit those questions by calling us at 574-222-2000. You can leave your topic on the voicemail or you can get information about the show. Even submit a question online by going to wisemoneyradio.com. So, it's the beginning of the year. Hope everybody had a good holiday season. People are starting to think about their New Year's resolutions, and you guys are big believers in having written financial goals. Kevin, why is that important?
2: Well, having a written financial goal gives you a much better opportunity to actually achieve it. Uh, The old saying, if you aim at nothing, you're certain to hit it. So, when you look at goals and goal setting, a a goal can give you – Long term vision and short term motivation.
3: I actually read from one of my favorite authors just recently. Uh, he his name's Michael Hyatt. He does this thing, the five days between Christmas and New Year's, called the five days to your best year ever, where he recommends people spend an hour each of those five days thinking and writing out their goals for the next year. And he actually referenced a recent study done by a university in California, where two hundred and some people were studied, researched, and the folks that wrote down their financial goals are forty two percent more likely to hit those goals. Than the folks that had goals still in this sample group but didn't write them down.
2: Yeah, and if you look at the time people spend, here we are, uh, real close to Christmas, and I just saw a study that said people spend about 37 hours preparing for Christmas. So oh, I'm be- double that for sure. <laughs> <Double>. <laughs> Overachiever. <laughs> Easily. So you think, well, wait a minute, people are spending 37 hours getting ready for Christmas. What are they doing? the the week between Christmas and New Year's, getting prepared for the coming year.
4: Well, this idea of scheduling a time to actually pay attention to goals for next year. I think uh, maybe it was a year and a half ago, Kevin, you gave a talk to Bethel College business students, and my wife and I attended, and somehow you got inside her head because— she is like the, the queen of all goal setting now. She came to me the other day and said, hey, I think we need to have some kind of a family goal setting meeting. I'm like, what in the world is that? You know, I, I've, I've never uh, heard of such a thing. It sounds like a good idea. She's like, yeah, we need to have goals for next year. Even the kids need to have goals. So, um, How old are your kids? Yeah, they're 5, 6, and 7, so... <laughs> That's about the right Watch time. out. That's right. But uh, the, the idea of getting it on the calendar, I think, is really important. And uh, we, you know, in today's show, we're going to talk about uh, how to go about setting these goals, what kind of areas that you ought to consider setting goals
1: to make 2016 a better year than 2015. This isn't the first time we've heard this about goals. Writing it down makes it more likely for you to achieve a, a great number of them. So why don't people actually do this? Why don't they sit down, write out their goals... And go through the whole process of doing this.
2: Well, there are a lot of reasons why people don't do it. There's a there's a fear of failure. There's a fear of success. And one of the things that having a written goal does is it it actually creates a built-in accountability. And not everyone is into accountability, so if i especially with their finances especially with their yeah. finances but look at i mean you can look at all areas of your life i look at all areas of my life and there have been times when i've talked to various friends or my wife about the idea of accountability and i like the idea of accountability but sometimes the actual act itself isn't as as pleasant
4: and there could be situations where a husband and wife aren't necessarily on the same page about what those goals will be either So, you know, maybe they've tried in the past and it's just led to conflict and they're just done trying.
1: So One of the things that you mentioned, fear of success, man, as a small business owner, can I tell you that is an absolutely legitimate fear? Mm -hmm. Because, okay, I want to be successful, but if I'm successful in this next step, uh uh-oh, that means I have to do all this other stuff, which is really complicated and difficult. So there might be some people out there going, fear of success? What are you talking about? (laughs) It's very real. It all depends on your circumstance, though. So, Mike, um, one of the terms that we've been hearing, I think, popping up all over in society over the past year or so, at least I have, process. You heard me say it just a couple of minutes ago, there's a process, a process, a process. And we've been kind of lacking, I think, that terminology for for a couple of years now, but people are starting to get back into it. So explain the process of goal setting. So it's very simple. Four steps. I actually learned this from
3: Stephen Covey, another Very wise author. Four steps to achieving any goal. I don't care if that goal is learning how to ride a bike or wanting to retire someday or whatever else it is. There's four steps. First step, figure out where you are today. So that's that's the gut check. Okay, really, if I want to retire someday, where am I? Where am I today? Step two is where do you want to be? So that's where you actually state the goal, be specific, and and we're going to talk about some of that. So step one, where are you today? Step two, where do you want to be? Step three is where you actually chart out the actions or list the steps that you need to take in order to get there. So that's where you actually create the plan and benchmark, okay, I should be, I'm going to start doing this today, and then I should be here and so on. And then the fourth is just track your progress. Know where you're at along the way so that you can make mid-course adjustments as always comes up, really with any plan. There's adjustments along the way, and you need to reset your course. So that's it. It's four steps. Not too intimidating, but where are you today? Where do you want to be?
1: Develop a path. Track your progress. That's it. Do you think people need to only set goals for themselves, or can they set goals for their loved ones, too? is that a loaded question i I mean (laughs) but this is you know this is what i'm i I've, i've kind of run into this with a couple of friends and it's that when they set their goals they sit down for their goals it's a goal for oh my child it's a goal for my spouse's business or it's a goal for this it's a goal for that they rarely actually make goals for themselves and maybe that goes back to that whole you know fear of accountability and that sort of thing but do you think that it's it's beneficial to set goals for other people that might be in your life to help them or are people just neglecting themselves and then, therefore, setting themselves up to fail?
2: I think if one of your goals is to be miserable, then you would spend time setting goals for other people. <laughs> well,
3: you, you, the, the problem if you're setting it for other people is you you hit a rub with step three. Is you're going to start saying, "Well, you should be doing all of these things," and that's that's
2: not that's not very okay. fun. It's hard when you want something for someone more than they want it for yeah. themselves. So if you are if you're new to the process of goal setting then i would say well certainly uh, take take baby steps uh, set small goals for yourself achieve those get some self confidence going and uh, build your skill there and eventually you the people that you really love you can bring them along and say hey let me let me talk to you about goal setting and goal achievement i'll show you how to do it
4: yeah you know my wife and i just this may sound kind of nerdy but we just laid out 12 character traits that we want to help instill in our kids in the coming year and we'll probably highlight each one of them on a, on a monthly basis but in a way as Casey you were asking your question it, it kinda dawned on me well that that's kind of a goal for my kids what mm-hmm. I want to see them how I want to see them grow and everything but the way I make it my own goal is by focusing on Well, I need to be an example of these character traits for them I need to show them and teach them so it becomes my own personal goal when I start setting those action items uh, attached to each one of those. How am I going to demonstrate honesty to my
1: kids or, you know, bravery or or any of these others? Now, when it comes to the number of goals, is it a quality versus quantity or a quantity versus quality to get your average up a little bit? I mean, how many, you know, as many goals as you could possibly have so you can hit as many of them because you assume most of them are probably going to be pretty small and Maybe you can, you know, shrug the big ones off, or do you want, uh, you know, really just a small core set of goals? I would say five
3: to seven goals, no more than ten. It's hard to keep goals in front of you. That's one of the biggest problems. I mean, if if it's for the something you want to achieve for the entire year, it's hard to keep that top of mind all year. So five to seven.
2: Yeah, and there are certainly different areas of your life in which you'll set goals, and I think of just a couple years ago. In our financial planning department, we had two goals, just two goals, and I remember uh, it, it was an annual goal. So about September, I felt like I I can only work on one goal at a time. I if I need to achieve two different goals, it's too much. And so it really depends on how how well you you set the goals. And again, there are goals in the different areas of your life. So when you look at uh, financial goal, I think one of the things that you want to do, understanding how humans work, is you want to have goals that you, you've got a good shot at achieving and you, that will you'll find satisfaction if you do achieve them.
4: And on top of that, I think it's good to have a stretch goal as well, that it's going to take all kinds of effort for you to achieve it. Maybe it's an area in your life that it is stretching you. You know, trying something new for the first time, picking up a new hobby or or learning a new topic of of some sort, something that's going to push you outside of your comfort zone. If all you ever do is operate in your areas of strength, then it's going to be hard for you to become a more well-rounded person and to just get better with time. So do something this year to stretch yourself. I'm on the sheet here.
1: It's S.M.E.P.F. Talk about that.
4: So those are some of
3: the categories of goals that Kevin mentioned, and we don't need to spend too much time on it, but uh, so people can have goals in S, so spiritual or mental or emotional, physical or financial. So those are just categories that in in general goals could fall into. And of course, we're going to spend most of the second half or second segment here talking about financial goals, but those are just different categories, broad categories that people put goals in.
4: You know, one exercise that I do every year is to go through those very categories that you just mentioned, Mike, and I try to rate myself on a scale of 1 to 10 in those areas. Have I gotten stronger in my spiritual life? Have uh, I been making a meaningful contribution to my family or my community or whatever? And I I can see very clearly, I I write it all out there. You know, each of the categories gets a score, and I know right away... There's no question, what are the areas that I'm struggling in? And that's where I start focusing in on goals to improve in those areas. Some people would say the opposite. You know, don't work on your weaknesses. Just go play to your strengths. Um, And I understand that to some degree, but there are some weaknesses that just need to be shored up as well. And we need to grow in certain areas. And I try to identify what are those areas each year. Coming up,
1: we're going to be talking about how you know what a good goal is. So setting goals is one thing, but is it actually worthwhile? You guys will talk about that coming up. You're listening to Wise Money with Core and Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Welcome back. Once again, you're
1: listening to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, Josh Gregory, and I'm Casey Hendrickson. So we left off with, uh, of course, we're talking about goals today, but we left off kind of, you know, how do you know what a good goal is, guys?
2: Well, you know, it's a good goal. If it's written, for sure. It needs to motivate you, help you with your long-term vision and and short-term motivation. And it needs to be specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time-bound. So there are a lot of different categories that you would uh, measure a goal by. And um, a a lot of that stuff you can find online just by Googling how do I set a goal.
1: And Mm -hmm. and of course, we talked earlier about writing goals down. You're 42% more likely to actually start fulfilling some of those goals. So Josh... When people first come to see you for the first time, do most people walk in with their financial goals already defined and and written out or no? I don't think so.
4: I I think they come in um, maybe having a sense for the things they'd like to accomplish. I ask people in our very first meeting, what are your financial goals? And I'm asking them as a couple most often. And usually I get one or two answers out of them. But then afterwards, I send them out and uh, give them an exercise where they do it individually. Write down what are the goals that are important to you. And that's where you know they come back with uh, half a dozen to a dozen different goals. And they, they just start multiplying because... I think that often we have goals in our own minds that we haven't even communicated to our spouse. Mm -hmm. And until you take the time to actually pull those out of your own mind and then have a setting where you're discussing them with your spouse, um, it's unlikely that you're going to have it all clearly defined. What people do have defined when they come in to see us uh, in the office is they know what the next transition point is that they're coming to in life. You know, they're coming into the college years or they're coming into retirement or some other major um, crossroads, and they don't know what goals they need to have at that point in life. And uh, a lot of our discussion is helping them
1: figure out what do you need to do to be ready for that next transition. All right, so they don't usually come in prepared for those financial goals, but Kevin, what would you say is the most common financial goal out there that, that people end up
2: having? Yeah, the most common financial goal is often retirement planning. The idea that at some point in time I want to be done working, or if I wake up in the morning, I'm gonna go to work because I want to work, not because I have to work. And so think about that idea as financial independence. And so most folks, whether they've uh, clearly defined it or not, they they want financial peace and they wanna know that they're being a good steward of their resources. And part of our job as financial planners is to connect the seemingly unrelated parts of their financial life so that they're integrated and and they're taking advantage of the opportunities and they have the best chance to reach their financial goal. Really the the, the straightest the shortest line between two points is a straight line and helping people identify where they are, where do they want to be and how do you get there? I would agree with you that
3: retirement's probably the most common goal, but there's a there's a large portion of folks where paying off debt is their is is a meaningful, very important goal for them. And so those two I'd probably put at the at the top. Yep.
2: Yeah. And uh, I just read an article the other day uh, college loan repayment is going to be one of the new benefits that employers will be that offering. seems to make yeah. sense
1: considering the news surrounding that. Yeah. Wow. All right. So one of the benefits of having a financial planner, obviously, is is that they're able to steer you in a direction that maybe you didn't know you needed to go. So Mike, what are a type of financial goal that might be out there that most people don't have on their list or on their radar that you would like to see them have?
3: Yeah. Like Josh said, when we're first sitting down with folks, that's the first thing we're asking them is, hey, so what are you trying to achieve financially? What, what are your financial goals? And uh, again, most people don't, come in with those written down and typically they'll say something about retirement or like I said a moment ago if there's debt on their uh, on their shoulders they'll talk about paying that off but as you press them and I don't mean that in a in a, a kind of negative way but as you dig underneath the surface there are some other very important goals to building your financial house that most people just don't even have any awareness of. One is building up an emergency fund, a meeting that I just had earlier this week with someone who was just going gangbusters on trying to pay off some debt and then really want to save up for retirement. Part of the reason he had the debt, though, is he didn't have an emergency fund. So, yep, what's the right goal for that and how do you structure that? Having an estate plan in place is the second one that most people don't have on their radar screen. If you don't have one, there might be this small nudge in the back of your brain saying, oh, you need to get this done. But that's a goal most people don't really think about that often. And then the last one I, I would answer with is having the right insurance protection in place. And I, I think I, I would say shame on the sh- shame on our industry or the insurance industry for really making that feel much like a commodity as opposed to a process, as we talked about earlier, yeah. Casey. I, I think a lot of people come in just assuming, well, someone sold me this thing once and I'm good. No, it should be a goal of yours to make sure you've got the right coverage and that we talk through some really big scenarios and that you've got peace of mind with that.
4: You know, I would throw in two more goals that most people never have on their radar screen. Have you guys ever met someone who had a giving goal, like a generosity goal? where yeah. you know they, they say, hey, we want to give a certain percentage of our income each year, or there's a dollar amount that they want to be able to give away. Uh, I had a friend once who had a smiles fund. He just went <laughs> around, and he would give money just to bless someone during the day that he encountered throughout the day. He'd, he'd walk around with a $5 bill in his pocket every day or, or whatever. It's your friend's <laughs> name was? Yeah. <laughs> What's his address? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the... Yeah. um. The, the point here, though, is that it's not worth being haphazard about your giving. Um, you know, we're we're so focused on uh, accumulating type goals, but we're not uh, as intentional in the way that we give. A lot of times, especially, you know, during the holiday season, we just give because people are asking for it, as opposed to it being part of a an overall plan. One last one that I would throw in there would be tax savings, um, you know, to... To be generous with other people is great, but we want you being equally stingy with the government and finding ways proactively to squeeze down the amount of money that you spend in taxes because those are dollars that are slipping through the cracks that could be helping you with your other goals. Completely agree,
1: yeah. yeah. We talked Point. about what would make the a goal good. We've talked about the process of writing your goals down and how many goals you should have, the most common goals, some goals that people don't think about in general before they go to a financial planner. But, Josh, what about a financial goal that you would say is the hardest one to actually hit? Yeah, I'd be tempted to say either retirement or
4: college, but I think I'm actually going to say becoming debt-free. And the reason is, you know, there's a lot of people who achieve their retirement goal, but they never achieve being debt-free. They just carry a mortgage through retirement, or they're just always in debt at some level. And it's kind of a dull roar that they just sort of live with, and... They achieved their retirement goal despite it. But I, I think the reason why I would say being debt-free is the hardest goal to achieve is because so few people believe it can be done. I talk to people all the time. I, I hear people say, well, I'll always have a car loan. Or you can't live without a credit card balance, right? And you know, I, I, I want to say, well, no, actually you can. You can live debt-free, but if you don't believe you can you never will because you won't put the the time, energy, resources into achieving that one. So it's
1: hardest because it requires a change in thinking. Hmm. Do you guys run into a lot of people that go through the, debt, the debt-free the debt process, they get debt-free, and then like, okay, cool, now I can get a loan? You get people yeah. who do that, they they <laughs> whittle it down, they race everything out, and they're like, now I can go out there. Because they're thinking about it from the payments, they're not thinking about it from the perspective of... Of debts oh now i don't have all of these payments going out so now i can go get that really nice car that i wanted
2: That's Yeah, i think right. a more common scenario is i've seen people consolidate debt to lower their monthly payments and say okay if all my payments before were a thousand i've consolidated my debt maybe made it much longer term now my payments are six hundred dollars so i've got four hundred dollars to work with in and debt. they go spend eight hundred of that four hundred <laughs> yeah. right right so the, most of the folks that we end up working with are folks 10 years before or after re- retirement. So most of them have built some sort of financial skills and uh, financial literacy and accumulated wealth. But I, I, I still, if you said, what's the, what's the hardest one to hit? I still think that just the simple discipline of building and following a budget. I mean, for heaven's sakes, our country can't do it. Yeah. A, 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 at that level, and if you look at that, and if you call that the the public sector, the only businesses that are still around are ones that have been able to do that. Mm-hmm. And if you're a business and you haven't been able to, you you know what your future is. Yeah. Hey, Casey, I know we need to take a break, but I'm just going to
3: chime in and correct these guys. Mm-hmm. Actually, the hardest <laughs> one to <laughs> the hardest one to hit. I'm shocked that you guys had good answers, but here's the right one: is Trying to retire early and pay for 100% of your kids' school. That one just seems, those two, the intersection of those two goals, I think, is, is very common. And, I've, of course, I'm just teasing. Those were uh, great ideas you guys offered, too. But a lot of people still come in and say, all right, here's my goal. I want to retire at this age, and I need to send my kids to school. I'm saying, okay, that is almost mutually exclusive. You are not going to achieve that by accident.
1: So and I'm glad Josh you said in. You needed to have one of those goals that was just an outlier that you know yeah. you may not get, but you really <laughs> sure. need to work to get it. So that's just po- all that is. It's
3: possible to do that. It's just very hard. You're not going to get there without a plan, without a coach.
4: It's certainly going to take the longest to achieve those goals, and it's going to take the most
1: money and discipline. So, so. You're right. All right, I, I understand. Guys, we've been talking about goals today. We also have listener questions coming up. Once again, want to remind you, you're listening to Wise Money with Poorhorn Financial Group right here on News Talk 95.3, the Sheehan's News Channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Welcome back.
1: Once again, you're listening to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. The guys from Corhorn are here. Kevin Corhorn, Mike Mike Bernard, uh, Josh Gregory. And, you know, guys, we were talking about goals today. Just before we get into listener questions, and we've got some good listener questions today, too, by the way. Thank you very much. But guys, uh, can you think of a time when you were serving a client, maybe setting up a, a goal that made a really big impact on their financial life? you have any success stories you want to share with people? Tons of them. Tons of them. But I'll,
3: I'll grab a quick one since I know we're over a little bit. But a couple came in to see me a few years ago, and right about when they turned 50, and they were embarrassed a bit to admit how little they had saved up for retirement. But they were ready to face the truth and needed a plan to figure out, okay, can we retire and when would that be possible and really what do we need to do? So we had some long discussions, a lot of analysis, and ended up coming up with a plan to get them retired by the time they turned age sixty-eight. And that plan required them to start saving two grand a month for retirement. Right now they were saving zero a month. So that was a really big and these they didn't make a ton of income and all that. This was gonna require a pretty big sacrifice. However, they were coachable and extremely goal-oriented. Extremely. I still remember the look in her face as I was talking and laying out that goal, and you could see her just getting motivated, saying, oh, my goodness, it's achievable. We can do this. Because we know what, what it's going to take now, and we know how important that goal is, we, we can do it. So that's been several years now. It's been a, it's been a few years, and they've been doing the two, two grand a month. Now, they didn't hit it last year. Uh, or they, and, but they were close the year before. But that's how it is with goals. It, it, the expectation with, hitting it, with having a goal isn't that you're going to hit every single one of them, M- maybe half. And in this case, you know, we know, we're looking at it all the time. We know exactly where they stand on this big retirement goal. So cash flow got a little tight last year. They weren't able to do the full two grand a month. They did about half of it. But they know, you know where they're at in relation to that goal. So it was just it was just motivating, and the freedom that comes from them actually steering dollars towards what they really want in life was just exhilarating to them. And the peace of mind they have and the confidence, it's just a whole different demeanor when they come in and, and, and meet as to the stress that they came in and the burden that they carried when they came in the first time.
1: I think it also kind of, you know, what they're doing, first of all, they're making progress as opposed to what they were doing before, which is not making progress, but it also applies to something that we had said earlier which is that sometimes you go into debt because you don't have that emergency fund. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And getting people to really button down and get that emergency fund, you know, okay, well, I need to take out a payday loan, or I needed to get a small loan here, or I needed to do this or do that, as opposed to just paying cash. That's That can lead to debt. So you got to use that same mentality. All right, so listener questions. And by the way, I want to remind everybody, if you want to call and leave a question on our voicemail, please give us a call at 574-222-2000. You can also go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit your question right there on the website. You can also listen to previous shows that we've done, which, by the way, have touched on a lot of topics that have come up in this goals program that we've been talking about today. Dan from Elkhart, with the presidential election coming up later this year, I'm pretty nervous about investing right now. Any advice?
2: Sure, Dan. I'm not sure how old you are, but I would, when it comes to the presidential election, as they say in Chicago, vote early and vote often. But I, I would say, when you're talking about investing... Even after you're dead. Yes, absolutely. Uh, vote for yourself. Uh, working on your investment plan is a vote for yourself. And I'd say the, the, the real person that you should be voting for, and again, Dan, I don't know how old you are, but I would vote for the 65-year-old version of yourself. And I would vote that person a raise. And the only way that you're going to achieve your financial goals is to have guiding principles that you follow. You set goals, you have a plan, you follow the plan. You throw off discouragement, you control direction. So that is what you need to do. There are always going to be external events way out. You know, who's the, the, the president in, you know, in Chile or of Canada or fill in the blank. But that's these things. Who's the president of the United States? It really has little impact on what you should be doing. And I'm sure the question is, well, you know, what do the markets do during a presidential election year, before or after or whatever? And I say, Dan, the best advice I could give to you is put the blinders on, and and either start a plan or stick to your plan, and don't pay attention. To to those types of things, because what we're tempted to do is listen to the guy next to us that says, hey, listen, during a presidential year, um, you should only invest in gold. And I heard on the radio this morning that gold is going to double. And so you say, okay, well, then maybe I should do gold. And then you, you talk to the next guy, and he says, no, 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 there's going to be the seventh blood moon uh, this election cycle, and so, therefore, you shouldn't have any money invested. And on and on it goes. And I say, well, that, look, here's what you want to do, Dan. Have a plan and work the plan.
3: Yeah, I, actually, that is great advice, but it's so hard for people to hear. A lot of people think that there's this connection, this correlation, this causation with presidents and the markets. And history has shown that's just not there. Uh, One of the games I like to play is when there's big news happening with a given company, I like to look and see how the stock's reacting. And just a couple weeks ago, the new Star Wars movie opened, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Broke records. It's awesome. Haven't seen it yet. But I'm sure it's awesome. <laughs> the day after it was announced that they broke the first weekend record, what happened to Disney stock? The market was fine. Disney stock dropped one and a half percent. That doesn't make any sense. If you were if you were trying to be opportunistic, there you'd say, "Hey, I think Star Wars is going to have a huge open. Let's buy Disney today because it's going to rally from all these these Star Wars sales." Nope, dropped
1: a ton. Doesn't make sense. Well, it's because they changed the entire, entire uh, store canon of, of Star Wars, so. Okay. I'm just.
2: <laughs> I said, leave that store canon alone. <laughs>
1: but
3: So <laughs> election years typically are good years in the stock market, But but like Kevin's point, you know, it's probably best to throw off this distraction and just work your
1: plan. Yeah, another example, um, iPhones. I mean, just again, new iPhone came out, huge sales, boom. Tanked. Apple is plummeting, right. yeah. Uh, yeah, and will they bounce back? Yeah, probably. We've talked about this before, too. I mean, it doesn't matter what the, the economic climate is. There are ways for you to do well in the current climate, regardless of who's president. And you're right, people give way too much credit to the president of the United States for economic turmoil. But... Uh, all right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and take a quick time out. We're going to come back, and we have Jan from Granger coming up uh, next, I believe, and some interesting questions coming up from listeners here. And I want to remind everybody, if you go to wisemoneyradio.com, you can submit your question on the website, or you can give us a call at 574-222-2000, and leave your question on the voicemail. We've got more coming up on Wise Money with and Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
1: Wise Money deserves wise legal counsel. Powered by Leduc, Curran, and Keene. On the web at lck-law.com. Good morning. Welcome back. Once again, you're tuned in to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Casey Hendrickson here, guys from Corhorn Financial Group. Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. We're taking listener questions right now. Jan from Granger. last year, my parents put their investment accounts into my name to help them to be protected against Medicaid. Is this a good idea? Also, do I have to pay tax on that money?
4: Well, two great questions, Jan. Thanks for sending those in. Uh, I'd I'd probably tackle the second question first. You asked if you'll have to pay taxes. The answer is yes. Now that those... Uh, dollars are in your name. They're registered under your social security number. So any interest or dividends, any growth on that account is yours now, and it will be reported to you and the IRS on a 1099. So just be aware of that. Your, your tax picture may have changed by receiving this, uh, this gift. As for whether or not it was a good idea, I, I think the answer is probably maybe. Um, you know, hopefully you made these moves with the direction of an elder law attorney, someone who specializes in helping people get qualified for Medicaid. Um, but if you haven't, then I, I would definitely make that one of your first action items uh, after listening to this show. Um, you know, you, you need to make sure that you're not exposed to a couple different risks here. One would be that if uh, your mom or dad need to get some of this money back for some reason, um, just be aware that these dollars may be leaving your hands again, and also be aware that they could be subject to creditors as well you know if If you slide through a stop sign this winter and hit somebody and they 're injured and a lawsuit comes at you there 's a risk that these dollars could be claimed by creditors to help you know pay for the bills that you created so Um, You know, this is an important thing to make sure that you have things like your home and auto insurance in place. You've done what you need to do to protect the dollars that are really your mom and dad's.
2: Yeah, and I I would build on that as well. Certainly, Joshua, you're talking about having the right amount and type of insurance in place. So, Jan, you definitely want to wear a belt and suspenders when it comes to the protection there. But I I would also, if you're trying to figure out, is this a good idea? My question to you, Jan, is are you married? And if you are, is there a divorce in your future? Because if that's possible, that might not be uh, necessarily a great idea. This is certainly something that you want to weigh out. And then um, the other thing that I would think about is, Jan, if you die, where does the money go? Because, Jan, if you die and it goes back to mom and dad, then we kind of failed in our strategy. So I don't know what your situation is. If you've got siblings or other uh, folks that would... um, should be on the on the list to inherit some of that money and the other issue is if mom and dad both die and you do have a sibling that money is all yours and you might not feel bad about that but you wouldn't have any legal obligation to share it with your siblings you might have a moral obligation to share it with your siblings but you might not have a a legal obligation so certainly there are all kinds of tentacles that that come out of this hairball of trying to plan for Medicaid. And there are a lot of different angles that you want to look at. So, Jan, what we're, I guess, I, I, what I'm getting
1: from the guys at Corn is that you need a professional help you navigate this because this is a very complicated issue that can go many different ways. All right, guys, we have Sarah from South Bend. My husband and I are in our 50s and still have a decent amount due on our mortgage. It is making me nervous, and I'd like to get it paid off. Should I pay extra on my mortgage to pay it off quicker? This is the perfect financial planning
3: question. It just is. that You come up against this all the time. Because we do financial planning and not just investment management, this, this is a quintessential financial planning question. And the answer to your question, Sarah, is baked into that old, it depends. It depends on your plan. And I, we've got, we get tons of people who come in our office throughout the year with this quandary because especially after the mortgage crisis and all of that, people just don't like debt. Leverage. I, I don't like debt either. You're, the Bible says the borrow is, borrower is a slave to the lender. I don't like it either. But what makes sense in your overall plan? And as we talked about earlier, earlier in the show, what are your overall financial goals? It sounds like paying off the debt might be a goal, but where does that fit with priorities and where does that fit with your readiness towards those goals? I'd love for you to pay off that mortgage early, but not if it's going to sacrifice some of the other goals in your life.
4: Well, that's right. And, you know, we at least can say confidently that paying extra on your mortgage is a good idea, right? Yeah, sure. Whether or not it's a great idea, if it's the best idea, I agree with Mike wholeheartedly that it depends on your financial life. But, you know, she's kind of framing this in, or maybe I read into this, that Uh, she's getting ready for retirement, right? She's in her 50s. She wants to get that mortgage paid off probably before they march into retirement. And a lot of folks think that, hey, if I just get my mortgage paid off before I walk away from a paycheck, then I'm going to be just fine. But in reality, you have to have quite a sum of money, a a pretty large nest egg in order to go into retirement confidently, knowing that you're going to have the resources you need that will last as long as you need them to last. And so I would ask the question, You know, are you on pace for your retirement goal? Are you saving enough for that big, huge objective?
2: Yeah, when you look at opportunity costs, that means if I pay a dollar extra on my mortgage, I can't take that dollar and put it into my 529 plan. I can't take that, put it into my Roth IRA or my 401k. So putting that dollar against my mortgage means I can't put it anywhere else. And that's where, to your point, Joshua, is it a good decision, is it a great decision? That is answered within the context of a financial plan. But I I have seen, the, again, when we talked about goal setting earlier, we said we want to have goals that are motivating. And Sarah, if this is motivating to you and this is something that you can say a, a big yes to, That makes it easier to say no to some of those other things. Again, separating out my needs versus my wants, but some of those things that are lesser things. And so you say, no, this is, as I'm getting older, this is elevating in importance. And as I'm looking for financial peace and peace of mind and a good night's sleep, uh, I don't want to be thinking about my finances. And I've seen with a lot of clients, they just say, hey, before I retire, I'm gonna get that mortgage paid off. And it, it really, It really motivates them, and they can really get after it. All right,
1: so we have Eric from Mishawaka. We only have about two minutes left, guys. I own a small business with six employees. What's the right type of retirement plan that I can set up for them? It it depends. Again,
3: there are a couple clues here. Only six employees, small business. Guys, what do you think? It sounds like a simple IRA might be a really good idea. Most likely.
4: Uh, Unless they, you know, if Eric himself has really high income, he may benefit from putting a very streamlined 401k in place because it allows him to save more money on a before-tax basis. So it could be a better tax planning tool if he set up a 401k, but the the most you know simple um, or easy plan to set up is a simple IRA. And uh, it, it's so streamlined, that you just kind of take it off the shelf, put it in place, and you're ready to go. So that. Uh, it's to me somewhere between those two. Yeah, I think
3: it I think it ultimately Eric depends on your goals. If your goals if your goal is to have a retirement plan available for employees to save up, probably the simple IRA. However, if the goal is to do that but also like Josh said, you have high income and you want to stuff a whole lot away before you retire, a 401k with a profit sharing component mm-hmm. might be I I would I'd pick between those two. And it, and that can be a kind of tricky process, so you know, we're happy to help you if you have questions on that.
4: I think the point is, is that you need to work with a professional that sets up retirement plans for a living. They can help you evaluate uh, which plan has the right bells and whistles for your needs. And it needs to be someone who can collaborate with your CPA, because tax planning is one of the main reasons why you would want to do this, not just to benefit your employees. That's that's helpful. But, you know, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that the business owner is taking full advantage of this planning opportunity.
1: And good thing we know some guys. Uh, Corhorn.com. That's Corhorn with a K. What's the office number, guys? 574-247-5898. And I want to remind everybody that if you have a question for the guys over at Quorum Financial Group that is related to the show, you can go to wisemoneyradio.com, submit that question right there on the website, listen to previous shows which tup, touch off on uh, specific topics that you might be interested in. You can also leave a voicemail at 574-222-2000. Once again, for Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, Josh Gregory, I'm Casey Hendrickson. We want to thank you for tuning in to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's news channel.
0: Securities are offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Financial advisors offer advisory services through KFG Wealth Management, LLC, doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC, Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Insurance Agency, and KFG Tax and Business Services are separate entities from Securities America, Inc. Tax services provided by KFG Tax and Business Services and insurance services provided by KFG Insurance Agency. Listen again now. Next week to Wise Money on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel.